0: So by the grace of Christ, we have come through another year, in fact, almost two years, and are emerging from perhaps what is the longest period in our lifetime that has been hindered by lockdowns and everything seems to be put on hold. It's almost coming to two years now since lockdown on 18 March 2020. Now it's already February. In our very human thinking, everything seems either to be on pause, reset, or kept on hold. It could be, um, our work, our career, for some, our studies too. For others, it could be investment or even personal fitness training and so on. So many things have been kept on hold. Many events, celebrations, aspirations, dreams, projects, plans have been put aside. How many of you felt like this? Or is it just me? I don't think so, right? Because although we, we may, many may say, things are seemed to coming back to normal. But many will still say this COVID pandemic has set us back by almost two years. But I'm certain, at least for us in here at SIBKL, many, just as many can testify that our Lord Jesus has kept us true. We just sang His worthy right. He has kept us through and has never failed or forsake us. Amen? This relative feeling of time not moving forward when it actually does, or conversely of time flying by quickly in the blink of an eye, has always been around. Even Albert Einstein has a simplified explanation for it derived from his theory of relativity. He explains time is relative as in an hour feels like a minute if he were to have an engaging conversation with a pretty girl. But a second would have felt like an hour if your hand touched a hot burning stove. In our local context, I would say a week's holiday in Penang or anywhere nice for that matter would seem to have gone by in a flash before we know it. And it sounds very familiar to many of us, right? Your, many of you came back from your family holiday or meeting up reunion. Is that right? I saw just now Pastor Jeremy was asking, and how have you put up your hands? So everything seems to go by. One week, five days have already gone by so fast. It really becomes relative. And I'm sure for many of you, it sounds familiar. But I see a lot of blank faces. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've been working too hard, you need a holiday. <laughs> but on the other hand, a short wait at the COVID vaccination centre for a two-second COVID jab seems so inexorably long. Or what seemed like an eternity had to pass before those current social restrictions were slowly lifted. Or when it comes to a job or a financial challenge that you've been asking for it to be relieved, it felt like a decade has gone by. Or when it comes to um, a personal issue that's been nagging you, maybe it could be a personal grievance, a bad habit, or perhaps even a hidden sin. You would have wanted it gone yesterday, but it seems to be around for ages. So you see, things that you wanted to stay seems to go by very fast. But things that you don't want and you want it gone seems to overstay their welcome. All these subjective feelings about time, it's so us, so human, right? But let me put it to you that how we look at time allotted to us is very different from how God looks at time. Very different. And we can learn something about this from the book of Joshua. today, I would like to show you from Joshua chapter 10, how Joshua had a divine encounter with God through time in order for his people, God's people, the Israelites, to overcome their enemies, to put things together in perspective. We are in this season of learning from the book of Joshua. And today, this weekend, we are doing Joshua's chapter 9 and 10. Last week, you heard about how the Lord God helped Israel overcome the major obstacle of having sin within the camp and to overcome it and have a victory over Ai. So moving ahead of their conquest of both Jericho and Ai, the Israeli army together with Joshua have gained a reputation of being a formidable army that is preceded by an even more awesome and formidable and mighty God who is your God and my God too. Someone give me an amen. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. So for context, while we're doing Joshua chapter 10, chapter 9 recorded that the Gibeonites, who were actually the enemies of Israel, feared for their lives. So they submitted themselves and offered themselves as servants to the Israelites. They formed a pact of alliance with the Israelites through deception and without bloodshed. So Joshua and his men would trick into sparing the Gibeonites, but he decided to honor the pact anyway. Then we come to chapter 10, where the Amorite kings of the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, Hebron, Lashish, Jamuth, and Eglon felt threatened, and they banded together to attack Gibeon, who seemed to have turned traitor to them. So here again, we see the Lord's God's providential intervention in fulfilling His covenantal promise to His people. Joshua and the Israelites. Let us read together from Joshua chapter 10 and have a look at verses 5 to 15. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions behind, against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Ezekah and Makeda. And verse 11: As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Ezekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua, who is so bold and courageous, said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Joshua. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely, the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp of Gilgal. When time stood still. You know, at the instigation of Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, the five Amorite kings banded together and attacked Gibeon hoping to draw the Israelites into a battle with them, as they would have known about the pact of alliance the Gibeonites did with the Israelites. They would have thought they could defeat and destroy the Israelites as they outnumbered them five to one, five armies against one. They would have conspired to outflank. If you look at the map on the screen, you could see that the five cities were actually positioned in a circle they would have conspired to outflank and destroy the Israelites with a pincer movement by drawing them into the centre of the five cities and to be encircled by the five armies. In several ways, Joshua and the Israelites were caught in a terrible situation, being drawn into the battle that wasn't theirs to start with, encumbered through deception by Gibeonites into a pact they didn't want. Outnumbered with odds against them, five is to one and looking at the bleak prospect of being outflanked by enemies on a higher ground and on their own turf. How many of you agree with me? Or even a struggling business and so on. You may want to move forward, but you feel so bogged down by these little battles. Wherever you are, let me encourage you that God knows and He's just waiting for you to let Him take the lead in whichever battle you're facing. As Joshua was about to find out in the battle with the five kings, God also wants you to know that the battle belongs to Him. The battle belongs to Him. And He does more of the fighting than you could ever imagine you could do. Amen? Although Joshua and the Israelites were not in an enviable position, where lesser men would have faltered, they would have covered in fear or turn tail. it was not so for Joshua and his army. They had learned the lesson all the way from Egypt to AI, and then from to the crossing of the Jordan, the consecration at Gilgal, the conquest at Jericho and the confession at AI. They had learned that each step of the way, the Lord God is as every bit as faithful as He promised. Having told Joshua in Joshua 1:9 when he sought the Lord, "Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He will be with you wherever you go. And again, before even set out, in verse 8 in chapter 10, the Lord says, assured Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Do you believe this and claim the promises of God? God fights for you. How does God fight for us? When Joshua's faith was put into prompt action through obedience, seen in verse 7, the Lord was more than delighted to be His partner, but the majority partner in this case. I say God is a majority partner because God does more of the fighting than Joshua and his men did. you don't believe that? Read subsequently in that scripture. Oftentimes, in our personal battles without God, we put our enemies ahead of us and then we lash out furtively, trying to hit at where we think the enemy is, but achieving very little. From Joshua chapter 10, verses 9 to 11, we could see that the Lord God and not the Israelites brought about a great victory over their enemies. Joshua and his men may have provided the soldiers and the strength, but the victory provided by God was through the elements of surprise, speed, strategy, and God's specific interventions. Verses 7 to 10 tells of the Israelite mass movements of troops overnight from Gilgal to Gibeon in a rapid ascent of 3,300 meters over a distance of 32 kilometers in just six to eight hours. That requires a lot of tough marching by tougher men that had to fight immediately upon arrival. What the Israelites lack in numbers and topical, topographical advantage, they made up for it by having speed and the element of surprise. Now, this didn't come by just brilliance of men. They were moulded by God through the encounters all the way when the Lord brought them out from Egypt, all the way through their journey, 40 years in the Sinai until Ai, just before they fought this battle with the five Amorite kings. Surely, the psalmist was thinking along the lines of Joshua and his men when he wrote Psalm 18, verses 32 to 34. It says this, It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He causes me to stand on the heights, to ascend the heights, one version um, stays. And He trains my hands for battle and my arms can bend a bowl of bronze. Speed and surprise comes with precise timing. Time is of essence in any battle and it belongs to the Lord. Time belongs to the Lord. Do you trust the Lord for His timing in your battles? Joshua 10.10 specifically mentioned there was a Lord that threw the enemies into confusion and into flight. Later, in the Bible, in the 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, the same divine strategy brought about a victory to King Jehoshaphat. It is a brilliantly conceived divine strategy that reminds us that in all our battles, the Lord works in ways invisible to us that defeats our enemies when we submit them to Him. I love this song, Waymaker. And the bridge goes like this. Even when we don't see it, God is working. Even when we don't feel it, God is working. And these are instances when God is working behind the scene. And as we submit it to Him, God works. The next verse in verse 11 confirms again the God's specific intervention that played a major role in Joshua's victory. The raining of hailstones on the Amorite army. Meteorological records will tell you that hailstones do occasionally rain down all around the world and some of them can be big enough to even kill although many livestock are are affected nowadays, but to have them rain down at just the proper time, the proper place, and only on the Amorites, require more than just coincidence. It must be the Lord's hand at work. In our current season, the Lord still rains down spiritual hailstones on our enemies to secure our victory in battles. Amen? And that we surround, surrender to Him Have you any enemies or challenges that requires divine stoning? Come, inquire of the Lord. Then God turns time around. Being greatly encouraged upon seeing the Lord's providence at work, in overcoming what seemed like insurmountable odds again and again, Joshua was bold enough to say to the Lord in verse 12 that we read just now, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, Moon, over the valley of Aijalon, Subsequently, it was related that the sun stopped and delayed going down about a full day. Now, whether it was figuratively speaking or a literal connotation, the overall effect was time seemed to have slowed down or stopped completely. Why? Because it was necessary for God to accomplish all that He set out to do. Time stood still. What happens when time stood still for you? Has it ever happened to you before? What does it mean to you? Perhaps what the Scripture relates about Joshua and the challenges he faced when time stood still for him might also relate to you. What we need to see here is the bigger picture of how God, who though infinite and being omnipresent at each and every moment, past, present, and future is also imminent, imminent within us and with us, working things out through time. God can turn time around. God can and does providentially intervene in those moments when time stood still. And how He does that? He turns these moments into purposeful time, redeemed time, and accelerated time. Purposeful time. Redeemed time and accelerated time. Purposeful time, what do I mean by that? Well, to start with, the phrase, a place where time stood still would mainly be taken with negative connotations. It would mean that nothing must have changed in the place, the lifestyle, or there has been no development. It is as if the time has left it behind. And that is not a good thing. It would be very human or carnal thinking along the lines of materialism if things didn't move. We must always strive for continual change, to be contemporary, to be change, to move with the times, keep up with the Joneses or with the Anwas, Ashims or Abings in our local context. The moment time stood still for us or when we stopped moving ahead, it spells disaster. And many would think like that. We then need a course correction How many of us feel like that? Actually, many are tempted to think like that in this season of global pandemic with the lockdowns, the losses, the uncertainties and the financial slowdown. Everything seems to have stood still or are grinding to a halt. This is a crisis, many would say. Not so for Joshua and his men. They know their God very well. What God has promised he was set out to accomplish despite all the bleak conditions, leaving no stone unturned. And that is why in verse 12, Joshua dared to ask God to let time stand still. It meant more time would be given to Joshua and the Israelites to accomplish that which they set out to do and which also God has promised a victory. God then made the sun and moon stand still so as to slow down time for Joshua to achieve God's purpose. So instead of being overwhelmed by the odds, Joshua asked for more time to overcome these odds. Let me repeat that. Instead of being overwhelmed by the odds, Joshua asked for more time to overcome these odds. In contrast, how often have we questioned God why? Why when things are so slow in coming? Frankly, we can be very impatient or even impudent when we ask in prayer, that, that our prayer seems so long, so, such a long delay before it is answered. Aren't we like that? Or like, why God? Why, why when we ask for so long and there's no financial turnaround? Or why you pray and pray and pray and there's still so much corruption and uh, injustice in this land? Or how come for years you've been asking for a loved one's salvation and yet it has not been coming? Why, eh? Ah, We ought to realise, like Joshua did, that God is not slow to act out of His mercy and forbearance for us. 2 Peter 3 verses 8 and 9 reminds us, ah, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Indeed, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We may be concerned with the material needs and the immediate needs around us. And don't get me wrong, they are important. These needs are important. But we need to see beyond this. God in His providence sees beyond that and is more concerned with our salvation and in our sanctification into more Christ-likeness every day then we are with the concerns of our material needs. So he purposely set time aside to achieve these objectives. God is never early nor late. His purposeful interventions are always timely. God is never early nor late. But His purposeful interventions are always timely. You know, since I surrendered my medical career in response to God's calling, I found pastoring to be very different from what I used to be working at for over 26 years. Though I have not questioned the Lord on why me and not someone else standing up here on the pulpit speaking to you at all, and for the record, it has nothing to do with sitting next to pastor during wedding dinners, just to make sure. I did ask the Lord many times if I had not wasted my earlier 26 years doing something only remotely connected to what I'm doing right now. I didn't get any specific answer for a long time until the Lord planted me in a church plant, the workplace church plant, called Workplace at the River to be precise. This bit of advertising here, just in case you've never heard of Workplace at the River, it's one of SIB Cal's church plan that holds services every Thursday at 7 p.m. where we have Beast Talks, where we there's an empowered work life, and there is also a service that follows after this that talks of discipling and bringing others in the workplace. So you have anyone in the workplace, tell them about workplace at the river. Alright? Okay, advertisement aside. Okay. So I was asking the Lord why, um, why, why was I in a career? That was only remotely connected to what I'm doing right now. That was only lately when we reopened the workplace at the river for the physical services. Then I realized that the church plan, pioneering a church plan, is very much like a clinic startup. It's very much like that. And my goodness me, I've been doing that many, many times over in the 26s, including two of my own clinics I've set it up. So how could I have not seen that? The Lord has been preparing my hands for battle and my feet to mount spiritual heights all these times. And when the time is ripe, pow! He actually showed me that this is the time that He has set for me to be in the right place at the right time. And He has set me up with a superb and yet diverse team that will, had these different talents with me to manage His project, a planting of the Lord. Hallelujah. And God sets His purpose at the right place, at the right time. So in God's scale of economies, there is no resource or no time that is ever wasted. In time, He will turn what you perceive as marking time or time standing still into purposeful time, purposeful time. Then victory will be at hand. As we move forward together as a church to take the future, whether corporately or even individually, In the church or in the workplace, always be mindful that mankind is finite and God is infinite. Time is in His hands. But because you and I are destined through Jesus Christ for eternity, God will achieve His purpose and we will achieve our destiny on this side of heaven. Amen? To that end, you will need to inquire of God often as often as Joshua did. Consecrate yourself, if you haven't already done so, to stand an altar regularly, be it a personal or corporate altar. Do it faithfully. At the altar, ask for divine wisdom so that we may be able to differentiate between what is chasing after the contemporary, but not that, but instead to be able to come or to flow into your prophetic destiny. Ask also the Lord what how to differentiate between what is your personal agenda and what is God's specific purpose for you. Then, we come to redeem time. God can also redeem time for you. Do you know that? In verse 14, it's recorded that there has never been a day like that before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Certainly, there was never a doubt in my mind that God has always been fighting for His people. Israel then and His church, the Ecclesia now. I have also no doubt that God will move heaven and earth, including creating stupendous miracles involving the sun, moon and time to fulfill His promise. I'm however just amazed that our all-powerful Creator God will relate His faithfulness to His Word and his love, concern, and protection to an individual by so powerfully intervening through his own creation. Like what we read in Joshua. Then I thought of Hezekiah, and I thought of Jesus. When King Hezekiah pleaded with the Lord for his life, the Lord responded by sparing him, and said in Isaiah 38 verses 7 and 8, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what He has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun to go back 10 steps. It has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sun went back the 10 steps. It had gone down. It may not be the sun stopping in his track like for Joshua. So scripture is correct to say there has been never another day like that. But the faithfulness of God's promise remains the same. Again, there is a sign involving time. Similar to Joshua, extra time was given to Hezekiah. In fulfilling his own promise, God has redeemed time for Hezekiah so that he may have another 15 more years to live. Hezekiah had a second chance at life. Just this week, in fact, I was speaking to her this morning, I received a great report from one of our very faithful workplace at the river Course. She's been walking around, exercising, hiking, and even cycling with three major blocks in her arteries, unknown to her as she had no symptoms. And she's pretty young. So medically speaking, she was an actively moving time bomb to herself, not to us. She doesn't explode. But it was only by divine appointment through a routine health check that was picked up and treated with an angiographic stent. Today, she has recovered fully and ready for another bash at the full life Jesus has promised in John 10.10. Hallelujah. Will someone praise the Lord for His mercy and grace? God gives us second chances. God's redemption of our time involved exercising both mercy and grace. On one hand, Hezekiah pleaded for God's mercy and he received it abundantly in the extra years given. On the other hand, Joshua ask in confidence and boldness for extra time to accomplish God's grace through, to accomplish God's purposes through His grace. There isn't a greater dispensation of God's mercy and grace than that manifested on the cross at Calvary. For that moment in history when all of creation stood still and held its breath, the divine transaction of redemption was completed when Jesus died on the cross for you and me. There isn't a greater Redeemer of time than our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only has Jesus redeemed us from an infinity in hell, He has also redeemed us to an eternity in heaven. Amen? Not only has Jesus redeemed us from an infinity in hell, but He has also redeemed us to an eternity in heaven. Hallelujah! Only God could redeem our time. When the Lord spoke about the restoration of His people and the land through the prophet Joel, it said this in Joel 2 verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten the hopper, the destroyer and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. When Joshua asked the Lord for more time to accomplish His promise of victory over the Amorite kings, God too redeemed enough time for the Israelites to achieve the great victory over the highlands of Canaan. Then we come to the accelerated time. This third form of time, God will turn around. He turns around time. Have you had a day when things went by so quickly that you say it went by in a blink of an eye? It was as if time was accelerated so that more things could be accomplished and at the end of which you would just say, thank you, Lord, for a wonderful day. Joshua had a day or two like that. The rest of Joshua 10 from verses 16 to 43 tells of the complete victory over the five kings, how they were cornered, captured and killed and how the Amorite cities fell one by one. Then in between, verse 27 mentioned the duration of one day. Verse 28 speaks about the same day and then in verse 32, the second day. And by then, verses 40 to 42 speaks of the whole region was taken in one campaign. We're smooth sailing all the way and everything appears accelerated and supernaturally quick. When God is in the picture, He enables an extraordinarily huge amount of achievements. Before I joined SIBKL, for over 20 years, I was in this other church that missionaries established more than 100 years ago. In its heydays, there were a few church plants and these church plants thrive. But since then, very much, very little has happened then. And there was growth, but very little. The congregation remained about 200 over the 20 years I was there. And even since the 20 years I left, it has still remained around 200. Very little growth. Well, the congregation, they grow older in terms of age, with very little influx of young, younger ones. But in contrast, I've been in SIBKL for the last 20 years of the 27 years of existence. And this comparatively short span of SIBKL we have seen the SIBKL growing leaps and bounds numerically in ministries, community work, in resources being with, widely available to both Semenanjong and the Borneo and also planting smaller churches and most importantly, matured spiritually in accordance to God's will and favour. Growth has been tremendous in this period of accelerated time for SIBKL. Praise the Lord. It's absolutely, and only God, God can only do this, bring about this accelerated growth in SIBKL. He chooses to partner with those that will trust Him in faith, hold on to His promises. Like Joshua is experiencing great achievements while moving ahead in faith and holding fast to God's promises. Together, we will see accelerated growth, both personal and corporate. And I don't know about you, But I'm very excited about this season of leadership transition and spiritual transformation that SIBKL is coming into, right? It will be a season of God-directed changes where new growth will emerge, more lives will be transformed into Christ-likeness and new additions made to God's kingdom. It will be also a season of accelerated timing when previously random events and ministry will converge in an altogether supernaturally fashion. A distinct example we can witness presently is God raising two new pastors, one full-time and one lay pastor for the one that's living. Hey, we lose one and we gain two. Can even the one care lose us if for the glory of building God's kingdom elsewhere? Can you beat God at that? Hallelujah. God moves us forward in accelerated time. When we are united in our pursuit of Him, and obedient to His sovereign will as a unified body of Christ in SIBKL. God then bestows His favour and establishes the work of our hands to move forward to take the future. It's going to be a great victory ahead for the battle that is the Lord's. Let us be intentional in setting out to accomplish all that God has called SIBKL to do while setting aside Differing opinions and things that hold us back. As Hebrew 12, verses 1 to 2 encourages us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the Bapats and the eboos that have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So today, we'll look at Joshua chapter 10, verses 5 to 15, where God turned the worst of situations around while Joshua battled the five Amorite kings. We also related some of Joshua's circumstances and attitudes to those of our own. God, in keeping to his promises, took upon himself to fight the battles for his people, for the Israelites then, and for us now. In addition, when things may look bleak for us, when time stood still, God will also turn time around to our advantage. Aesthetic time becoming purposeful time, redeemed time, or accelerated time. So in closing, I'd like to say that before every victory that the Lord can bring about in your life, there will be a battle. I shared about Joshua and the Israelites' battle against overwhelming odds and they won resoundingly with God's providential help. Would they have won without God's intervention? Highly unlikely. Perhaps even if they did, a self-achieved, hard-earned victory would not be without tremendous losses. Even on the victor's side, putting them on an unstable footing for the many more battles there are to come. Is a victory without God's partnership then worth it? I put it to you, it's not. We all have our own battles to face. Some have little ones, some huge ones, bigger than the mountains we see before us or those that we have climbed before. What are you battling presently? Is it circumstances where the odds are against you or situations where time seems to stand still? Let me encourage you to lay them all at the feet of Jesus. wherever you are sitting, whether you're here in the sanctuary or back home in your homes, let us invite Jesus in once again to be our partner in this battle, the majority partner and He will fight your battles for you. He will fight your battles for you for the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? The battle belongs to the Lord and with Him when the Lord takes charge, nothing, nothing is impossible with God nothing is impossible no odds is too intimidating no mountain too big no time irredeemable amen let me pray for you as we close father god i just want to pray for each and every one of my dear friends my brother my sister who's in this sanctuary and even back home I don't know their names precisely, Lord, but you know who they are. And Lord, you know the struggles that each one may be going through, the battles they may be fighting, Lord, which seems the odds are against them, Lord. But Lord God, please, Lord, put your hand upon their lives, Father. Even as they return to you, Lord, take charge for them, Lord, that they may know that you are the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. The battle belongs to you, Lord. And for those, Lord, that seems to feel that time has stood still for them, Lord. I pray, Father, You, God, in whom time is in Your hands, Lord, that You touch their lives, Father. That You turn things around for them. That they know, Lord God, that You are with them. That the battle belongs to You. And victory is at hand, Lord God. Amen, Lord. We commit all this into Your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank You, Lord God that the battle belongs to you. That Lord God, you are God Almighty. Before you comes no one and after you, none can compare with you, Lord. And Lord, as even as your people come before you and proclaim you, Lord Jesus, the greater, re- greatest Redeemer of all times, Lord God. We thank you that we can go forth in your name. We thank you, Lord God, that the love of the Father goes with us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is that which is sufficient to sustain us through. And Lord God, we thank You that it's also the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that binds us all together as we move forward to take the future. We thank You, Lord God, that it is in You all things hold together. So Lord, we thank You for Your blessing as we depart from this place. Bless us all as we go out to meet with our friends and family as we continue to proclaim of the mighty name of the Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say, Amen.